Well, today I want to share a message and I'm going to be talking about supply and support. There's, there's a couple of concepts in Scripture which the Lord's really laid upon my heart. And, and so uh, I'm going to share that with you this morning. We're going to start by looking at a couple of passages of Scripture in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 1 and then Isaiah chapter 3. And it will kind of set the context for where we're going today. So let me read this to you. Isaiah 1 verses 1 to 3. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. And then in Isaiah chapter 3. See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both Supply and support. Supply and support. That's what we're going to be talking a bit about today. You see, Israel are rejecting God. That's what's going on. God is responding to them by saying, okay, it's fine. If you don't want me, I will step back. And God does that in our lives. You know, if we want to reject God, he doesn't force himself on us. And what he, But what he's saying to, to, to Israel, he's saying, I will step back, but you need to understand that when I step back, my supply and my support comes with me. And Israel have never really considered how much of what they have comes from God. And I want to challenge you this morning. Have you really stopped to consider how much of what you have comes from God? You know, Israel, they've decided they're going to do it their own way. You ever heard that song, I Did It My Way? I did it my way. I think it was, was uh, Frank Sinatra who sang it the first time or something like that. You know what? Anytime I hear anyone who's saying that they did it their way, aside from, aside from thinking they're a little bit deluded, uh, I actually think that they're wrong. And because actually, as we're going to explore in a minute, no one ever does anything all by themselves, apart from maybe get themselves in a big hole. But you know what, when people kind of just want to go it alone, it, it's never really going to have great consequences. I mean, God says, right? He says right at the start in the book of Genesis, it's just not good for man to be alone. I want to read you a funny story I found. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's from a fictional, I'm, I'm hoping it's fictional. It's from an insurance claim. And it was a letter written by someone who's claiming, claiming their insurance claim and they had a response back and so they're writing this letter. Let me read this to you. It's all about the challenges of when we try and go it alone. Dear Sir, I am writing in response to your request for additional information for my insurance claim. In block number three of the accident claim form, I wrote, trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain that statement more fully. I trust the following details are sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carrying the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor level. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. 
You will note in block number 11 of the claim form that my weight is 150 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded up the side of the building at a very rapid rate of speed. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. By this time, I'd regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel then weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to the information in block number 11 regarding my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This counts for the two fractured ankles and the lacerations of my legs and lower body. This second encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks and fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand, watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. The empty barrel weighed more than the rope, and so it came down upon me, thus my two broken legs. I hope I've furnished information sufficient to explain why trying to do the job alone was the stated cause of the accident. Yours sincerely. Now, while I hope that that is a fictional account, I'm telling you this morning that no one in this life does anything of any significance on their own. No one gets successful on their own. No one builds a business entirely on their own. No one creates a meaningful life entirely on their own. You know, many years ago, I had this friend, I met this girl, and she had injured her back, and, and uh, she got a, this big ACC payout, and so she decided she was going to start her own business. And she was, she was right into fashion and accessories, and so she uh, hired a, a premises in a mall and started her own uh, her own business selling accessories, fashion accessories for women. The problem was is that no one else quite loved the accessories that she loved to the same extent that she loved them. And I think her business lasted maybe a year and then she had to close it down and lost all of her money. You see, anyone who builds a business knows this. They know that if you try, you know, that you can't build a business on your own terms. You try and build a business on your own terms, and you'll soon learn that you build a business on your customers' terms. That's how it works. And you don't do it alone. You do it with the help of a lot of people, suppliers, delivery companies, IT providers, accountants, advisors, investors, staff. I mean, the self-made millionaire does not exist, ladies and gentlemen. And so it is in our marriages and so it is, even with our health, we, we, we do nothing of any significance alone. The thing that we have that enables success is encapsulated in these two things, right? Supply and support. And when God brings His presence, when He brings His blessing, when He brings His provision, His intervention in our supply and our support, truly great things can happen. You see, you see, at the bottom of it, God created all of us human beings. He created us to function together. 
He created us in community. He put us in families. Families together create societies. That's how we are structured. We're actually made to achieve our highest potential when we work together. That's what God has done. And we read in, for example, Psalm 133, and God's like, he's trying to make the point. He says, you know, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, there I command a blessing. It's like he's saying, I want you to understand this. So whenever you guys start working together in unity, I'm going to bring a blessing so that you can see that there is something supernatural that adds significantly when you actually start to work together. That's what I've created you to do. Supply and support. You see, this whole idea of I don't need anyone kind of thinking, I think it's particularly damaging. I think it does several things. Number one, it vastly limits us. It limits us to these best ideas just in one mind. It, it, limits, it limits me to what I can imagine and come up with. But we were created to do these things collaboratively, to gain from other people and other things. I know some very successful businessmen, and, and there's some very successful businessmen sitting here. And, um, you know, and some of us who are, who are involved in businesses that rely very heavily on our input. I mean, I could talk to people like Jeremy, I could talk to people like Jade, and they would tell you, if I brought them up here, they would tell you the, the significant influences in their lives that have enabled them to see the sorts of things that they've seen in their lives. We have to get this. We have to realize this. And there's this interesting um, biblical principle that I'm going to come to in just a moment, which talks about first the natural and then the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it's talking about Adam and sin and a whole bunch of things, but it's essentially saying that actually what God has done is he's put all of his principles for how life operates spiritually. He's also put it in the natural. And you can look at the natural and see and understand principles that, are, that work in the supernatural. We can see in the visible and in the seen, and we can learn from their principles that help us understand what happens in the spiritual and in the unseen. We're going to look at one of those in just a moment. But, but you know, if we get this, I can do it myself, thinking it limits us. Secondly, it isolates us. It isolates us because the process is this, right? Like, I'm going to do it myself. I've got to, I'm going to come up with it all myself. I'm going to get the vision myself. I'm going to create this myself. And the problem then is, when you start getting into trouble, the thinking is, okay, now I've got to solve this myself. When you most need people, you will begin to isolate yourself. Thirdly, I think it simply deceives us. It deceives us into thinking that we can build meaningful, thriving lives that make a difference in the world without God. And we need to turn that around. You see this idea of first the natural, then the spiritual. You know, when we look out at the natural created world, here's the first thing that we realize, or we should realize that the entire planet operates on systems of interrelated ecosystems. Interrelated ecosystems. Everything affects everything else, which is why, you know, the environmentalists tell us that we can't just have factories pumping stuff out into the air or pouring stuff into our waterways because it doesn't just affect that city. Actually, we put stuff into the atmosphere, that affects weather systems, weather systems affect tidal currents. I mean, it actually affects everything. And, and so it is in the spiritual. So it is with us in our lives and the things God's called us to do in the community we enjoy, all those things. Actually, it is all significantly interconnected. 
It's only in that place of recognizing the supply that comes from other places. It's only in recognizing the support that we have that we can position ourselves for the way God has created life to be. We too work in interrelated ecosystems. And actually to think that we can isolate ourselves and still be successful is false. So let's, let, let me take you to the scriptures and give you an example. Psalm 1. God's talking about the righteous person, the, the person who's right with him and right with people, the person that, that, that lives according to the word of God. And so God's like, okay, I'm going to explain this to you. And what does he do? The very first thing he does is he gives us a picture from the natural world that contains the principles that we need to understand for how we live our lives. This is what the scripture says. He will be like a tree. <laughs> Go straight to the natural world. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Let me just stop right there for a moment. A tree needs supply. And a tree planted by God and streams of water finds a supply for the things that it needs in its life. Firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit and season and its leaf does not wither. This is a picture of a person who grows and prospers and thrives and achieves their God-given potential. And it only works when that tree is planted, like there's a commitment to be in that place where it can receive the supply that it needs and it can receive the support that it needs. And for us, part of that is about saying, okay, I'm going to commit myself to the environment that God has me in in this season. I'm going to fully plant myself. I'm going to commit myself in this situation. And only in that place, only after that decision can we fully access all that we need to thrive and to grow. We see it again, Isaiah 61. He says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. He, he again takes us to the natural world. Oaks of righteousness. What a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Yeah, I love this. You see, being planted is such an important concept for us. For us to do that, to actually be planted, we have to make some really important decisions. And I want to go through these very quickly with you because I think that, that these are the kind of decisions that we actually have to make once, but then we actually repeatedly, we have to recommit ourselves to these kind of decisions. The first one is this. It's, it's deciding to stay. Deciding to stay in the marriage you're in, deciding to stay in the church you're in, deciding to stay in the place that you're in. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't seasons where God shifts us. No question about that. We've got some lemon trees at home that I've shifted several times trying to get them into a place with enough sunlight. But you know what? Every time I shift it, I've got to wait like another year before that thing will fruit properly again. There's something about being planted. Because here's the thing, right? You can look like you're planted and not be planted. You know what? I lived in Dunedin for 25 years. And for the first 15 years, I was just waiting to leave. Isn't that astonishing? 15 years of my life. You see, I, you see, I, I grew up in the beautiful Bay of Plenty, and then I went down to Dunedin for university and found that I was living in the Antarctic. Like, it is a very, very cold place. And I remember, like, very early on in my first year at university, going, we are not staying here. We are not like, getting this degree done, and we are out of here. But the, but the funny thing was, I never actually got out of there. I stayed there for ages, but I, I constantly lived with this thing of going, man, I'm out. I, 
I, I can't wait to get out of Dunedin. It's just a matter of time till I'm out of Dunedin. And you know, I never really embedded myself in there for years and years and years. And, and, and wondered why I felt a little disconnected. Wondered why I didn't really feel that I was thriving in that place until I actually got to the point of going, I like this place. I think we're going to stay. In fact, I can, ta- I can take you to the exact place on the McAndrew Bay Road where I was early one morning out for my quiet time. And it was a stunning Dunedin morning, not a cloud in the sky. The harbor was like glass. It was absolutely freezing cold, but beautiful. And I remember going, I'm crazy. What a beautiful place. And I actually said, I said, Lord, I could live here. I could live here for the rest of my life. Lord, I'm, I'm in. Funny thing. You know what happened in the next six months? About six months after that, Pastor Bob came, said, Mike, we're moving on to Hamilton. We want you guys to take over the church. I wonder how many years God was waiting for me just to make the decision to commit myself to being planted before he could release me into the next season of my life. How many of us are in a place, but we're not in a place? We look like we're planted, but we're not planted. And I want to encourage you. If you were like me and you actually never made that decision, whether that's in this church or whether that's in Auckland or whether that's in New Zealand, to say, you know what, God, while we're here for as long as the season in, we are planted. God, we are going to be in this place, heart and soul. God, do what you've got to do. Let me tell you a quick story about, uh, about a particular tree. Uh, I came across this story many years ago and it so inspired me. Uh, in Colorado, there's a tunnel called the Moffat Tunnel. And the Moffat Tunnel carries water right through part of the, uh, the, the Rocky Mountains to Denver and several other cities. It's about a 2.4 diameter uh, concrete water tunnel. It just carries an astonishing volume of water through. And it's, it's the primary pipeline for water supply for several cities. And so every year they do minute, detailed inspection of the pipeline to make sure it's good. And one year, you know what they found? They found that there was actually a hairline crack in the tunnel and they found these roots had gone through and were bathing in this massive flow of water. Well, they had to deal with this. So what they had to do is they had to find out where is the tree because that part of the, of the, the country is pretty rocky, pretty barren. So they, they cut some of the roots and they identified what tree it was from. And then they went and found the nearest tree of that species. And guess where it was? 863 meters away from the tunnel. That is a tree that is nearly a kilometer away, and yet its roots have gone nearly a kilometer to tap into that flow of what it needed. Now, let's just imagine that for a moment, right? So at some point in the past, a seed got into the ground, and then this little thing germinated, maybe in a passing shower, and pushed out a couple of roots, and pushed up a a, a bit of a stalk, and maybe a couple of leaves, and then it started photosynthesizing like crazy and, 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 and creating glucose, But then what it did was it put all of its energy into pushing out roots. And how many years did that little spindly shrub do nothing because all of its energy was going into its roots? And, and, you know, maybe in the first year, maybe its its roots grew a meter. But it hadn't found what it was looking for. And over the next few years, you know, maybe it grew three meters and then 10 meters and then 100 meters. 
maybe 200 meters, and you would have walked past that shrub and gone, look at that sick little thing. That isn't going to survive. That's never going to make it. But eventually, those roots began to pick up a subtle change in the, in the water moisture levels in the, in the ground it was in and began to direct it more and more, and it finally found that little crack that was just seeping a little bit of water, and it got through into that flow. And you know what happened to that tree when it got its roots into that flow? That tree would have just exploded up in growth out of the ground. I'm telling you, how many times do we look at people and we go, they're never going to make it. They're never, they're never going to be anything in the Lord. They're never going to get anywhere in life. But just maybe if they're doing the right thing, if they're going after what their soul needs, I tell you, the time will come when suddenly you will go, wow, where did this person come from? I never saw that happening. We've got to do that. We've got to go after our supply. We've got to push our roots deep down into the things that we need from God. The second thought is this. First one is you've got to decide to stay. Second one is this. You've got to decide to receive. And sometimes as Christians, we can feel guilty about receiving. We can feel uncomfortable about receiving. But I'm telling you, this little tree knew that it had to go for what it needed to fulfill what God had put in its DNA to do. And I'm telling you, when you're in this church, when you're in a job, when you're in life, you've actually got to work out what is it that I need. And you've got to be willing to go for it. God, bring this to me. God, help me find this. God, I've got, I need this in my life to identify what it is that you need to grow and thrive and prosper and be all that God has called you to be and to be willing to go after it. And then thirdly, the third decision is this, then making the decision to give, to give back. You know, isn't it amazing that God's created fruit trees, and not just fruit trees, all trees, but they're the best example for us, trees that produce things that are not for the tree. You know, have you ever noticed that an apple tree doesn't eat apples? You never see, have you ever been past an apple orchard and there's an apple tree going, oh, that looks nice. I mean, see, an apple tree produces a fruit. And yes, it, it, it benefits the species in the sense that it's attractive and other people take and consume it and take it away and drop the seeds somewhere else. But, but fruit is primarily designed and created to be consumed by others different from the tree. And God has created us to produce things from our lives that will not bless us, but that will bless others when they come into our lives. And we have to make the decision at some point to go, God, what am I going to do to make a difference in the place that you have called me? God, how do I be a supply or a support for somebody else? And so again, we see these two God-ordained ideas. You know, you know, a tree... A tree needs the support of other things. It, it needs insects for pollination. It needs water for, for, to gain what it needs in terms of that. It needs soil nutrients. It needs, it needs sunlight. It needs birds that come along and take those seeds other places. It's this connected thing. And I'm telling you, you are exactly the same. You are exactly the same. Yes, you need supply. Yes, you need provision. But you also need support for you to truly become all that God has put within your heart to do. You know, in Isaiah chapter 3, I, I, love that how, I love how God has broken this down. See now the Lord, the God Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. And then he tells us what they are. And I think this is where it gets really interesting. First of all, he says, all supplies of food and all supplies of water. Okay, that's clear. That's provision. That's the things that we need in our lives. But then he breaks down support. Now listen to what he says. He says, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder. 
the captain of 50, and the man of rank, the counselor, the skilled craftsman, and the clever enchanter. Israel has decided to go it alone. And so God's saying, well, I'm going to take back then what I've given you that you won't appreciate, which means I'm going to take from you and you are no longer going to have access to the support of all of these roles that you don't realize are so important in creating an environment where you as a people can thrive and grow. Supply and support, the right people in right roles are integral for the thriving of a city, a nation, and people like you and me. So supply talks about all the provision that we need, whatever that is. But support, you see, we all need, from time, we all need a hero. Sometimes we all need someone who can step up and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. I, I don't know if you've ever, ever identified someone who was just a hero in your life, who was the right person at the right time, who could do what you couldn't do. I know I have plenty of people in my lives over many years who have been like that for me, or or a warrior, someone who fought for you, who stood up for you, when for whatever reason you were unable to stand up for yourself. We will all need, at points in our lives, someone who who will fight for us. And sometimes in marriage, that's our spouse, they will fight for us. Well, maybe it's a close friend or it's an employer. But I'm telling you, there will come a point in your life when you need someone to fight for you, when you will need that role in your lives. Or maybe you will need a judge, someone who's willing to stand up for what is right or help you make a right decision. Or maybe you will need a prophet in your life, someone who will bring a message that God is trying to get through to you, but for whatever reason, you ain't listening. And God will bring that message to you. We all need these. I tell you what, the times that I have had each of these roles, and sometimes the same people, sometimes different people. There have been absolutely pivotal times in my life when someone has brought me a prophetic word that has been exactly and precisely what I couldn't get my head and heart around. And God spoke into my world and helped me to move on in another season. There have been times when I've had people of authority who have opened doors for me and favor for me. I remember when Liz and I were first in the pastoral ministry, Bob and Maggie Lawson, you know what they did for us? They were people in authority who opened doors for us. They introduced us to people. They, they allowed us access to places we would never have ac- had access to ourselves. And, and so led us in and ushered us into the next season that God had for us. I couldn't do that myself. So needed that role in my life. You guys need that as well. We all do. And so it's important for us to realize that within community, there will be times when you need, you need a hero. And there will be times when you need a fighter, a warrior. And there will be times when you need a judge. And there will be times when you need a pastor or a shepherd. And there will be times when you need a craftsman, someone who can practically help. And there will be times when you need a counselor. And that only happens when we do community with others. It only happens when we make the decision to make ourselves vulnerable enough to admit that maybe we could really do with a help and a hand at some point. Be planted and find God's supply and his support for you. God's intent is that we function not just with the resources that we need, but also with the support of people and community who play these roles for us when we need them. And look, this is what is so wonderful about small groups, right? You know, if you're in a small group, I'm telling you, that you have many of these roles within your small group and you're not even aware of it, and God will call it out when you need it. There'll be times when you'll go to a small group and you just need someone to bring the word of the Lord to you. You'll be in a small group and there'll just be a, some, a time when you just need someone just to, 
put their arm around you and care for you and shepherd you a little bit. There'll be times in small group when, when, when you're there and you just need some counsel, when you just need somebody to speak into you. Well, all of these things will happen when you are planted in a community and willing to be a part of what God is doing. You know, the devil wants to take away your supply and your support. He wants you out of resource and he wants you out on your own where he can pick you off. He wants you in a place of lack and he wants you in a place of loneliness. And if you let that take its course, it will lead you to to a frightening place of isolation and poverty. But you know what God's plan for you is for supply all that you need, all the resource that you need in the season that you're in to live and do the things that he's called you to do and support that you might see around you these people that you need from time to time in order to truly own what God has called you to own. And so here's the things, right, that are so important for us to realize. And I want to ask you three questions. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to close your eyes. Can we just close our eyes? Let's take a moment. Let's lean into God. Let's lean into the Holy Spirit right now. I want to ask you three questions this morning. Number one, what supply do you need from God right now? What supply, what resources, what what things are just lacking right now in your world? And have you asked God yet for them? And if you haven't, why don't you take a moment right now, say, God, you know what, man? Lord, I, I, I could really do with this. Lord, could you help me in this area? God, could you supply this for me? Lord, I'm just bringing my request to you, Lord. Mighty God, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in your hands. Lord, would you supply this for me? Second question, whose support do you need right now? Do you need a hero? Someone who can, who can be there for you, do what you can't do? Do you need a warrior? Someone who can just fight a little bit for you in a difficult situation you're in? Do you need a judge, a prophet, a pastor? Do you need an elder or a leader? Do you need a person an authority? Do you need a counselor? Do you need a craftsman? Whose support do you need right now? And where can you find that? Where can you get that? In your small group, in your family, maybe in your work, in this church, where can you find that person that you need in this season of your life? And then the third question, and this is important, who needs your support right now? Can you be a hero for somebody right now? Can you be a fighter, a warrior for somebody right now? Can you stand up for somebody? Can you go to bat for somebody right now? Can you help someone maybe? who needs a decision, who's struggling to make it? Is there someone in your world that maybe it's time for you to be the support for them? Can you bring a word of prophecy to someone who needs it? Is God beginning to speak to you for someone else? Can you care for someone who really needs it right now? Inconvenience yourself and go and put your arms around somebody. Take someone out for coffee. Can you counsel someone who needs it? Can you lead someone who needs it? Can you do something practical for someone who needs it? Can you open a door for someone who needs it? Can you make an introduction for somebody who needs it? You see, you're created by God to be His hands 
and his feet for someone at some point. And you will need someone else to be his hands and feet for you at some point. And can you receive that? Because if you can, you will heal and you will flourish. And can you be that for somebody? Because if you can, they will heal and they will flourish. Be planted. Receive your supply and lean into your support. This is how God has ordained for his people, his community to work. Can you imagine in your mind a giant redwood? The tallest trees on planet Earth. It's so interesting to find out that redwoods have one of the shallowest root systems of any tree. Yet redwoods almost never fall over. They stand through cyclones and storms. They are incredible, incredible trees. How is it that that can happen? It's because redwoods grow in forests. And scientists have found when they've removed the topsoil layer that underneath, redwoods hold hands. Their root systems interweave with the root systems of the trees around them, forming a massive underground foundation of support that enables them to reach higher than any other tree God created, to stand through anything that can be thrown at it. What a picture for us. We grow by getting our resources, but we stand through our support and linking together with others. So I want to challenge you very quickly. Do we need to re-surrender this morning? Do we need to recommit ourselves to being planted? Do we need to recommit ourselves to being a part of a small group? Not just turning up. Not just looking like you are a part, but actually being a part. Because God wants you to find your best potential and live it out for His glory in the place that He has put you. Let me pray. Mighty God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the one who provides us what we need. God, you are the one who provides supply and, Lord, our support. And I pray, God, for every one of us here that maybe we'll, we'll look at our, our lives, we'll review our worlds, God, with fresh eyes this morning and realize it's not just about resource, it's also about the right people fulfilling right roles in right times for us that will help us, God, step into all you've called us to be and, God, that we might also be that for those people around us when the time is right. Supply and support. God, I pray. God, we, can re we recommit ourselves again this morning to being planted in the place and in the season you've called us to be, to be fully present and fully engaged. God, I thank you, Lord, that the best truly is yet to come. In Jesus' name.